This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Remember, it's this day, good days, bad days, every day. This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Hal Brady, and again, I want to welcome you to this service tonight. Thank you for joining me, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you, both through the Word and the music. And I'm also very grateful for our musicians, the people who bless us week by week. A special word of thanks to them. Thank you again for joining us. Would you hear, please, the reading of God's Word 
It comes from the letter to James, beginning at verse 1. From James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are scattered outside the land of Israel, greetings. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me, please, for prayer. Oh God, your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Please hear our prayer. Bless this message. Bless all of those who are with us this evening. It's in your name. Amen. We all know people who begin what they begin with a great burst of enthusiasm, but it doesn't last. When the going gets tough or the obstacles get there, these people tend to give up and quit. Success expert Peter Lowe has interviewed hundreds of people, and he's found out their success secrets, and he's brought it down to this. Listen. He says, the most common trait I have found in all successful people is that they have conquered the temptation to give up. They have conquered the temptation to give up. There's a picture of a seascape. In this picture, you see this great rock. It's on the beach, and it's keeping people from seeing the ocean. And yet, if you move back a distance from that rock, suddenly you see a sunrise over the end of the rock. And so the caption underneath reads like this. Obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. One more time, what Peter Lowe said. Listen to his words. The most common trait I have found in all successful people is that they have conquered the temptation to give up. We all know parents who have given up on their children. And we tell children who have given up on their parents. We know spouses who have given up on their mates. We know college students that have never gotten to the senior year and have never graduated. We know politicians who have somehow become discouraged and quit. We even know church people who have made sacred vows and then somehow or other have lost their way, their first love. So many people simply do not have the power to see it through. Listen to me again. So many people simply do not have the power to see it through. It's at this point that James speaks to us in our text. He says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James is saying, as we continue to entrust our lives and circumstances to him, even the testings we have will produce perseverance, and that perseverance will make us complete. Another translation puts it like this, See that you persevere to the end. Thus we come to tonight's message, the power to see it through, or while the last thing is important. Listen, it's always the last step in the race that counts. It's always the last step in the race that counts. But let us never underestimate the importance of the first step. You have to take a first step if you're going to get anywhere. A man was riding through the mountains and he got tired. So he decided to get out. He saw a man sitting on a, a bench right there in front of the only store in town. So he walked up beside him, and he sat down, and he said, Hello, friend. Could you tell me what this town is most noted for? The man thought a moment. He said, Well, 
You can get anywhere in the world from here, any place you want. Now that could also be said of any place. But I want you to listen to what John Maxwell said. He said, Whether, where you finish in life isn't determined so much by where you start, it's by whether you start. If you start, you can get anywhere in life. There was a man by the name of Les Brown that makes this point a reality. Les Brown was a twin. He and his brother, Wes, were born, and then at six weeks, they were adopted. They went into this family. They lived in Liberty City, which is a poor section outside Miami, Florida. Many of his teachers said that Les was not going to amount to much. He had a learning disability. And yet there was one teacher that said, you should never pay attention to what other people say. So anyway, Les went to work when he graduated, and he became a DJ in a radio station. Then he became the manager of the station. Then he became interested in the community. He became a community activist. Then he ran for the legislature, where he served three terms in the legislature. After that, he went on and did other things, and he was successful every single time. He got interested in public speaking, and in 1992, Toastmasters said he was one of the five greatest speakers in the country. He was a man who had his own business. He demanded a salary of $25,000 a speech. He had his television show. He wrote his books. But what was his secret? His secret was he started and he kept going. So what I'm saying is let us never underestimate the power of simply starting something. But also, let us never underestimate the importance of starting again. Of course, this has to do with starting over after we've made a mistake. I read that a university coach, he counted the rebounds in basketball in 183 ball games, and he found out that 92% of the time, the team with the most rebounds won the game. Now, let me tell you, most of us don't hit the basket the first shot. Most of us don't hit the basket the first shot. Consequently, we have to have a second, a third, and a fourth shot. That's the reason rebounding is important. And it's not only good sports, it's good theology. We have to keep on rebounding if we're going to make the shot and hope to make the second, third, or fourth shot. Sometime back, I heard one of the most meaningful religious experiences I have ever heard. The experience was a man who worked for my father years ago in the hotel. This man was a night clerk. His name was Charlie Moore. He was an ex-World War I prize fighter. He was like a grandfather to me. One night he told me his experience. He said he went around to his room and he was gasping for breath. He lived in the hotel. He said somehow he managed to reach the phone. And when he reached the phone, it went out to the clerk. The clerk automatically picked it up at the desk and he realized Charlie was gasping, so he called the ambulance, and immediately the ambulance and the doctors came and started working on Charlie. Charlie said at that point, he drifted away into semi-consciousness. He said, but while he was semi-conscious, he saw the most beautiful field of green grass he'd ever seen. Nothing but green grass as far as he could see. But then he said in a few minutes, he saw this most gorgeous blue. So he said he started walking toward the blue, and just as he got ready to step into the blue, suddenly he came back to life. And they were still working on him. And the doctors told him later, they said, Charlie, 
We just want you to know that your life was not in our hands the other night. Evidently, God has something else he wants you to do, so find out what it is. Charlie had withdrawn his letter from First Methodist Church LaGrange a number of years ago over some trivial matter. At any rate, three weeks later, he dreamed he was in a large church. So the next Sunday, he took his letter back to the First United Methodist Church of LaGrange, Georgia, and rejoined that church. Old Charlie Moore, old Charlie Moore had a second chance, and he recognized it. You see, he took advantage of being able to start again, to being able to start again. But now I want you to think about this. What I'm really saying here is the last step on the road that counts. It's much more important to finish something than simply to begin something. Dreams are more important if they have been fulfilled and not forsaken. Accomplishments are more important if they have been fulfilled and not fallen by the wayside. I think the writer of Ecclesiastes said, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Well, that is certainly true in many ways. Now, isn't that the point of the fable about the tortoise and the hare? You remember that. The hare insulted the tortoise. He told him he was so much faster. Well, the tortoise challenged the hare to a race. They got the fox. They got the fox to be the referee to set the beginning and the ending of the race. You remember how that race went. The hare started off, and he was just completely outdistancing the tortoise. But then the hare decided to take a nap. While he did, the tortoise just kept plugging along, and you know who won the race? The tortoise. So the ending was much more important than the beginning. A highly successful salesman was asked this question. He said, how many visits would you make to a potential customer before you stop trying to get the business? He said, it depends on which one of us dies first. At one time, this salesman made 130 calls on a year to reach this person before he finally reached him with his business. 130 calls. Let me tell you something about uh, how the Bible puts this. The Bible puts a very high estimate on people who finish well. You remember what Paul said, I fought a good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. What Paul was saying was he didn't quit. Then there was Jesus dying on that cross. He died on the cross and said it is finished. You know, all of life boils down to the fact of fighting the, the fight, finishing the race, and keeping the faith. That's how it all boils down. And I remember reading something about Winston Churchill. It said that Winston Churchill made a singular speech to some graduates. And in this particular speech, when he came up to the podium after a lengthy introduction, he simply looked at those people and he said, never give up. And then he went and sat down. Everybody was stunned. They didn't know what to do. But just about the time they were beginning to move, Churchill came back up to the podium and he said, never get up, give up. And he actually did that five times. He kept saying, never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up. Don't you know those graduates? They remembered that speech and I'm sure they never gave up. Remember, it's the last step on the road that's the most important. And then secondly, to make the last step, we have to break it up into many little steps. We have to break it up into many little steps to make the last step. The Apostle James never suggested that life was going to be easy for Christians. He never said it was going to be easy. He said it's going to be a full time of temptation. A full time of temptation. 
But temptation here does not mean a seducement to evil. It means a testing, a purifying. That's what it means, a strengthening. A testing, a purifying, and a strengthening here. The end result of all of this is someone is faithful, he or she will pass the test and will persevere, and that will make that person complete. A young bird is said to test his wings. An airplane is said to be tested for safety. God is said to have tested Abraham when he offered Isaac. The people of Israel were tested when they went into the promised land. God didn't remove those people who were already there. He wanted to see if those people were really worthy of being his people. And so they were tested. The point is, we are all tested. But the idea is that we are tested to persevere. And that makes us completely whole. So how are we to take the last step? We have to break it up into many smaller steps. Smaller steps. Thank goodness God didn't just give us life in one big lump. None of us could handle life in one big lump. What he did, he broke life up into little lumps. And so we face it on a daily basis. That's the way God intended life to be. Former heavyweight champion James Corbett once put it like this. He understood. He said, you become a champion by fighting one more round. When the going gets tough, you fight one more round. That's the way you become a champion. A radio host said that it's true in football and in life. Touchdowns generally don't come in 75-yard increments. They come in three yards and a cloud of dust. Recently, my wife and I came into our den at home, and we, we walked in. Water was everywhere in the den. There were tile ceilings. These tile ceilings were hanging from the ceiling. Some of them were on the floor. Everything was wet. The rug was wet. The furniture was wet. The floor turned out to be ruined. The ceiling was ruined. All of this had to be replaced. But let me tell you, it didn't just happen overnight. As a matter of fact, we we're just getting back into it. It happened day by day by day. Those workers came and they worked one day at a time. And they day by day by day worked. And now our den is back into place. When the pictures go back on the wall, it'll be absolutely like it's supposed to be. And we'll be so pleased. But it was one day at a time. Wasn't that what Jesus meant when he said, don't worry about tomorrow, let today's own trouble be sufficient for today? That's exactly what he meant. So if we're going to take the long road, we're going to have to break it up into manageable parts. And then lastly, to make the last step is to disregard random steps and to stay connected to the source of our motivation, which is Almighty God himself. In the very beginning of our text, James said he was a slave to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the difference between a servant and a slave? A servant has many masters. A slave only has one. What James is saying here, he is unreservedly committed to God. That's his master. He's unreservedly committed to God. So the reason James can persevere is because he believes in God. He knows God. He loves God. And he knows that God loves him. How did the Old Testament character Joseph handle things? You remember? His brothers were jealous of him. They sold him into slavery. He was taken into a home. The wife of his boss tried to seduce him. He remained honorable. She lied about him. He went to jail. But the last time he saw his brothers, he was the secretary of state. And he said, you didn't send me here. It was God. You see... 
He knew the source of his motivation. He knew it was God. Not long ago, I read about a conference that a well-known minister had with his associates. As they sat around a rather long table, the associates began to ask him questions like this. What do you think about the political situation in America? What do you think about the fact that people don't trust the government? The threat of war that seems so confident? All the crime that is on the horizon is happening every day. The minister said he thought long and hard before he answered. But this is what he said. He said, I'm very concerned about the things you're talking about, but I'm not remotely concerned enough in my mind to let them get on top of me. He said, you see, these things are not my source. God is my source. These things are not stable and change. God does not change. God's constant. God is always the same. Do you hear it? That minister knew the source of his strength, and he was not liable to random steps. In his best-selling book, Rick Warren said, if you want to know why you're on this planet, he said, you have to look to God. It was because of his purposes and by his purposes that you are here. In the book of Hebrews, it is said that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author. It all begins with him. He is the finisher. He will enable us to see it through. So if we know Christ, we can begin our faith, we can live our faith, and we can see our faith all the way through. That is powerful for all of us. Now, I want to close with this illustration. I meant to bring a glove, but I didn't bring the glove, so I'm just going to have to let you use your imagination. Look at this glove. Pretend the glove is there. Not much power in that glove, but if I put my hand in that glove, that has much power. I can start moving things. I can paint. I can keep germs away. I can do all sorts of things with my hand in that glove. But you say, that's not the glove, that's your hand. And I say, that's exactly right. You see, in God's sight, we are the gloves. God is the hand. God is the purpose. God is the strength that enables us to handle our temptations, to persevere, and therefore to complete our faith. To complete our faith. So it's the last step on the road. It counts the most. If we're going to make that step, we've got to break it up into manageable steps, and then we've got to avoid random steps. Let us pray. Lord, thank you again for this day and for every day. Thank you, O oh God, for your word, a word that speaks so mightily to us. Help us, O oh God, to heed the words of James and to live the life that you call us to live. Bless all of those who are within the sight or sound of this program. Make them a blessing. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight in this worship service. I pray that you have been blessed both by the word and the music and that you'll share the program with others. Thank you and have a good night. Good evening. When stars go out each night, eterna 
Oh, no, 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 no,